Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to whoever you are listening to this. Just a word of warning, we do this podcast three times a week, but we're not really sure which day it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen to the latest episode is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Andy Howell on the podcast today. How you doing, Andy? Not too bad, Benjamin. Yourself? I'm not too bad. Very good. Very nice. Very uh, very cordial opening to the podcast. Yes, indeed. Yes, after the advice I was given earlier when I was popping out in town with uh, uh, one of my colleagues, I don't think it was you though, Ben, said, oh, you don't need to take an umbrella. It's lovely sun shining out there. I walked out for the door. It poured down. Absolutely soaked. Yeah, it's not the nicest of weather in Cardiff at the minute, is it? Um, I was thinking earlier, you know, a bit of a cold wind outside, um, but it's, it's nothing compared to the uh, the hills during Lamin. So I, we're, we're lucky down here, shall we say? Yeah, they are, aren't they? You know, when I come down from my place, Ben, in the valleys, look at the uh, if you look at the thermometer down here, it's usually two degrees warmer. Exactly. So I dread, you know, I guess it's three or four from uh, deepest mid Wales. Where are you from? Oh, it's t-shirt, t-shirt weather today. Um, we got a fair bit to discuss on today's podcast. It's been a while since the last one. Um, Let's start with a bit of global news that probably will affect Welsh rugby inadvertently. The biggest job in world rugby's gone. It's uh, it's been given to Ian Foster, the All Blacks job. I mean, we could see this coming from a mile off, wasn't it? They, they say it was a um, a sort of application process, uh, uh, an in-depth application process, but it, it wasn't really, was it? It was very much a sort of coronation process, wasn't it? Yeah, it was because he was Steve Hansen's uh, assistant for so long Hansen etc been pushing for Foster to uh, succeed him and I think that was a factor in people like uh, Warren Gatland Jamie Joseph Dave Rennie pulling out of the process to become the next All Blacks coach because they knew it was already a done deal which left it as a two-way scrap between um, Foster and uh, Scott Robinson the young uh, Crusaders coach has been remarkably uh, successful um, so you know, Foster's, Foster divides opinion in New Zealand. He hasn't got a great winning track record as um, uh, trophies. And, um, you know, he could be in for a tough time because uh, New Zealand won back-to-back World Cups, finished third this time. They're in transition. Lots of their stars are finished now, going to be rebuilding. They also hit as well by so many players going overseas nowadays at a younger age so they haven't got the depth they once had and whereas they used to dominate the under 20 World Cup their results in recent years generally haven't been fantastic they've just had their worst ever um, tournament so um, I worry a bit about uh, the you know World Rugby's powerhouse New Zealand that they could actually uh, could be on a, on, a, on a slide and uh, for you know for Foster New Zealand haven't been so high. There's an argument if they are on a slide a bit. This is the worst possible time to take over as uh, as coach. Much better. Like Warren Gatland came in with Wales after 2007 World Cup flop. Wales were at their low, real low. So there was only one way to go. Upwards yeah. within a matter of months, he delivered a grand slam. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and with you know Gatland didn't really change the team, did he? When he came in, it was the same players. Just yeah, it was the same. It was, it was just different mindset, different confidence, isn't it? Absolutely. It was the players. Basically, it was the same players who won a Grand Slam under Mike Ruddock 
in 205 and we know what happened after that with plate of power and other stuff going on behind the scenes and then Gaz Jenkins had a short spell in charge but he's never he never had the players onside so you know it was difficult for him what well, Gatlin came in and he made sure he got those players even onside straight away and then they produced what they were capable of so yeah Ian Foster he's been a long time uh, assistant coach of Steve Hansen I think the general consensus in New Zealand is they're not thrilled with the process um, of, of appointing him. They don't think he's a good head coach. It's probably why the process took as long as it did. I think when New Zealand rugby sat about planning this, probably months, years ago, they would have had in mind that Steve Hansen wins the World Cup, walks into the sunset. Ian Foster looks like the attractive sort of prospect to step in. He didn't go down like that. They finished third. That's a failure for New Zealand. Ian Foster's not that attractive anymore. So they had to make the process look more diligent than it was. And I think, as you say, most of the people saw through that, didn't they? Jamie Joseph, uh, Dave Rennie, Gatland to an extent. I still think, I think, I don't know whether Gatland might have gone in for it. I think with him, he, he was very much committed to his two roles with the Chiefs and the, and the Lions, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. But then, it, but if New Zealand had gone to Gatland and said, oh, we want you to be yeah. a New Zealand coach, just sort of now or never, what would he have done? Would he have given up the Lions? Uh for a New Zealand job um, it would have been difficult for him to turn down because his ambition eventually is to be an All Blacks coach um, but you know Gatland he's in these two years now Gatland can prove with the Chiefs in New Zealand rugby he can uh, you know, prove what quality coach he is plus if the Lions his Lions best, best of British and Irish rugby go to South Africa 2021 and when he will make not only will he make history but he will put himself right in there to step in yep. if Ian Foster cannot generate the wins he will need to with the All Blacks. It doesn't take many defeats. They only need to lose three matches in a year, three or four matches, the All Blacks. Pressure's right on Ian Foster. And it's significantly, they've only given him a, a two-year contract. That is significant, but then they did the same with Steve Hansen in 2011, didn't they? When Henry stepped down and they like like with Hen, you know, with Henry and Hansen, they, they promoted the uh, the assistant coach. He only gave Hansen a two-year deal. Yeah, because he was on trial. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then obviously after that, 2013, I think they then gave him a four-year deal to the end of the Lions. So That was because he did a good job. Did a good job. So yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how Ian Foster does in these next two years because, I mean, the Chiefs will feel shortchanged. <laughs> They'll only had one full season out of Warren Gatland if uh, he wants to take the, the All Blacks job. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. obviously, yeah, because he'd be reliant. Well, mean, he will do some chief stuff. I would imagine. Well, is he having a complete sabbatical from the Chiefs in twenty twenty one? Having looked at um, obviously, he arrived in New Zealand last Tuesday, a week last. Yeah, a week, uh, a week last Tuesday. Uh, yeah, a week yeah, ago. He went um, straight to work. I straight think. to work. I think the quotes he gave were that um, obviously he'll take. He's taking charge now. Next August September time, he'll start his sabbatical. Because obviously, the Lions. You have to, you know, yeah. you have to watch. Yeah, you have to watch the autumn internationals and the, um, uh, well, the New Zealand season be over then. Yep. And you'll have to watch the um, 2021 Six Nations, which clashes with Super Rugby. Yeah, plus you've got to do all the charity events and all, yeah. all the corporate stuff because the Lions is such a corporate big deal now, isn't it? It's a brand. So there's so much to do mm. on that side, which Gatlin knows he has to do. Mm. So, yeah, he'll be starting this sabbatical next year. So the Chiefs are only going to get one season out of him before the Lions tour. 
so it'll be interesting to see if they get any out after the Lions tour yeah it will be won't it only time will yeah. tell on that but what the New Zealanders have done here the New Zealand Rugby Union is uh, looks like they're bringing in sort of a um, uh, you know they are making choices themselves or foster, or foster uh, as partly as well um, sold them his, his um, backup coaches his assistants you know he's getting some uh, looks like on paper some quality names there isn't it yeah it's interesting that because one we'll get to the name in a minute. It's where Brad Moore, Scarlet's head coach. He's been linked as being part of Ian Foster's coaching staff. It's widely reported in New Zealand as well, and some of the people reporting it are, are good journalists. So uh, yeah, exactly. That's know, the thing. I, I would imagine they've got that from official sources. And it's interesting because I remember during the application process, each coach had to when they put out the applications and they said come come apply for the job. Every coach had to go in there with their own coaching setup, didn't they? They had to come, you know, with their with their coaches ready. So, um, I can't remember who, who's uh, Jamie Joseph's assistant at um, Tony Brown. Tony, Tony Brown. So Tony Brown was asked by Scott Robinson to be part of his coaching setup, but he said no. I'm going to be part of Jamie Joseph's, which makes it all the more interesting then that yeah, Brad but, Moore. Yeah, but I think. With those coaching setups, Tony Brown, for example, could have been part of more than one person's coaching setup. You weren't restricted to one well, coaching setup. Yeah, but the John fact that he's been linked with a lot of them. Yeah, the fact that Tony Brown sort of said no to one because he was part of the other just struck me as though. Yeah, I think that's because it's because of how, he, how well he works with Jamie Joseph and his loyalty to Jamie yeah. Joseph. So maybe he didn't want to work with anyone else. It seems John Plumtree, ex-successful Swansea RFC coach, that he is prepared to work with. Um, Foster or, or if Scott Robson got the job yeah be interesting to see if, if Moore does go uh, he's only been he's only been here a matter of months exactly and he's really bought into West Wales I spoke to him last week about it he's really bought into the culture the scarlets and the philosophies you can see that you know they wear the um, the uh, the die caps on, on, on match days all of them together so um, it'd be um, quite quite a, not a surprise I guess because it's, it, it's the All Blacks job but It'd be a massive blow for the Scarlets because it really looks like they've struck upon another Wayne Pivak mm. who can be here for five years and, and, and see through a plan. Yeah, I'd be as, um, surprised if he did uh, leave. Um, spoken the bloke, and uh, you know, I think he said, um, strikes me, but he's an honourable man, very really intelligent. He was a barrister before he became enrolled in rugby, bought in this culture. His family's come over with him, set up home here learning to speak Welsh, etc. And he's come here to try and make as an head coach as his first professional head coaching uh, appointment. Um, so if he made a success of it at the Scarlets, potentially, he could, or he could anyway, he could still become all-bass coach in the future and potentially he may have become Wales coach after Pivot. So, uh, you know, I would certainly wouldn't discount that, the early impression he's uh, made. As you said, though, all-black's job... If he's offered that chance of being a tech coach or something like that with the All Blacks, what do you do? Do you turn it down or, or not? Uh, do you weigh up how well they're likely to do over the next couple of years? Is that a factor in your decision? You know, if you're a bit of a pessimist about them, about them like I currently am, you think, oh, I'd best to leave it till someone else comes in. Or if you're an optimist, think, oh, yeah, they're going to still rule the world. Right up, and you go for it now. Is not as ne- because of his age, just not no or no, no or never. never yeah. But um, 
you know, does he think, oh, maybe I've got to go, get this option and go for it? It's interesting because obviously his old boss at the Crusaders, Scott Robertson, has been passed up for the main job. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter suggesting that if they weren't going to give him, if they were, if they're not going to give him the job now, they'll never give him the job. Off the back of three Super Rugby seasons where he's lost no, he, seven games. Yeah, let's put this so, in. Let's put this in a bit perspective. Or yes, he's won us Super Rugby titles with the Crusaders. They've got the best squad in Super Rugby. And you could argue the same with Steve Anson and uh, Ian Foster with the All Blacks. Successes they had. Look at the players they had. No wonder they were successful. Like Sir Clyde Woodward was with England when he won the World Cup. Couldn't go wrong with the, those players. So Scott Robinson um, never been tested under a bit of uh, when it's a bit uh, things become uh, more uh, difficult. You know, under real pressure of uh, you know losing pressure. So um, does he need to prove himself over a longer period of time? Uh, you know, that's 2016. Scott Robertson was New Zealand under 20 coach at the Junior uh, uh, World Cup in uh, Manchester. Wales should have beat him in the uh, uh, in the pool stage. Lost to a last minute uh, penalty kick by Bumbaz by the Geordie Bat. Since played for the All Blacks, yeah. Scott Robertson. Then you know, and then he went to the Crusaders job. He'd been coaching for Canterbury, and um, Wales coach was uh, Jason Strange. Last season was Cardiff Blues. Backs coach and then got sacked by him. Uh, even though they set, scored more tries last season than they had in their history or something in the league. So uh, you was lucky. One guy's career has gone down and the others have gone up. But now Robertson, if Robertson carries on winning with the Crusaders and it's fought, and it doesn't work with Foster, you know, Robertson will still be in our mix in two years' time, along, I suggest, again with Gatland. So uh, it's, uh, I don't think. <laughs> You know, they were bent, really, the New Zealand hierarchy on Foster, but they've yeah. had to reconsider because of what happened in the New Zealand World Cup. But Scott Robertson is, they probably still, like I said, because he's only been coaching that level for a short period of time, they're still a bit unsure about him. OK, there we go. That's um, that's the All Blacks job. So do we think, with Brad Moore, do you think he's going to, if he gets offered it, he'll go? Um... I'll say no. I don't think he would at the minute. Cause I think he must be a head coach. Yeah. The, um, the only thing it's just, that could it's, just, it's tough in it's just yeah. the All Blacks. Yeah. The only thing that could happen, yeah, is because New Zealand won't be playing until they face Wales next July. That he could see out this season with the Scarlets before leaving. You know. Yeah, that's feasible. Would that be a, a compromise way out if you like? That is feasible. Um, I wouldn't expect him to say. You know, him to be confirmed as All Blacks coach and be leaving as Scarlets the following day no. or the following week or the following month, he can stay till the end of the season. You know, mm. depending on how far they get, obviously. Question then is, where do the Scarlets go after him? Yeah, yeah that's something off another day. Exactly, it? it is. But um, yeah, I mean, you see, you look at the Ospreys coaching search. It's yeah, the Scarlets have shown now their last. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking in the right. They're looking in the yeah, right places. Yeah, they look in the right places, and they get good people. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Our colleague Simon did a piece the other day about when all the Wales boys are due back because a lot of them haven't played since the World Cup, which is, I suppose, on on the one part understandable given 
player welfare, but on the other part, it's December now, isn't it? And it you yeah, you're playing in England, are not it? Exactly, yeah, Dan yeah. Bigger has. Um, well, yeah, and English boys. Yeah, they got the true. final. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's December, and the regions have had some mixed results, shall we say. So, Welsh boys will be um, Do you know what, ben? desperately Do you know what, Ben? Go on. It reminds me, it's like the England Test Cricket team. No. It's Club England, and then their counties uh, play absolutely second or third fiddle. And it's how this season's panning out with the Welsh regions, you could argue, it's exactly the same for them. It's Club Wales, or Team Wales, and the regions way down the begging order. So sad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I read an interesting article on the Telegraph, actually, the other day, by um, Ben Coles. Um saying how Leicester Tigers should get rid of George Ford because he's £600,000 on their wage bill, which they should spend elsewhere. Which, you, know, it's, you know, obviously salary cap's quite prevalent in uh, in English rugby at the minute. Just thought it was quite interesting, but that's, that's, that's probably something that Welsh regions would be considering yeah, it did, for some time, isn't it? With, yeah, with, with you know, the, the value of Wales players. Yeah, Welsh, play, uh, Welsh regions actually get EFM from their Welsh players. Yeah. Um, got my doubts in some uh, instances um, so it's a tough one but of course um, the Welsh regions received serious top up money from the uh, WIU on top of the money they entitled from competition um, from competitions if they weren't uh, if those Welsh players weren't in their squads perhaps the WIU would be more reluctant to give them money I was going to say that's, that's probably the, the only thing that's probably separating the, the sort of Welsh regions from looking down that sort of financially Astute. Sort if they, of. Yeah, if they were financing it all themselves for the competition money and money they raise and all, yeah, you know, you could argue that they'd be better off getting foreign players or Welsh players who retired from international rugby or say we are not playing international rugby and so on. Virtually the same squad at uh, uh, for the entire season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you could sign a lot of New Zealanders, for example, couldn't you? And then they they jump, they're not eligible for the All Blacks once they leave New Zealand. Yeah. So uh, you're not going to have international calls on them. Yeah. I was, I was interested in what Rob, <coughs> Rob Davis said the other week, wasn't he? In that. The Oswald chairman. In that fiery press conference uh, that he had, that um, he was trying to do what was best for Welsh rugby, which was sort of playing a lot of Welsh boys rather than signing mm. overseas players. Which he then maybe admitted it was a mistake for for when you look at the Osprey squad balance during tougher times. Hang on a minute, the Ospreys have got loads of foreigners in their squad, and you could argue not not many of them are very good, you know. So they, I would say they've been poor signings anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. But so um, you've got a question like their coaching, recruiting their coaching setup, their player recruitment, not a patch on that as Scarlets. Yeah. So what does that come down to? Higher levels of management. Here we go. Uh, we won't get too much into that. That we've talked enough about the Ospreys' management in recent weeks. Right, um, let's get back to Wales. Yeah, and Wales. Injuries. Come on, injuries. Um, let's start with uh, the man you're looking at at the minute. Oh, there's a f- on the back page of the Western Mail. Corey Hill. Is it ten months out now since that ten try? Months, yeah, against, against England. England. Hmm, so that's a massive boost having him back, isn't it? Yeah, it is because um, you know under undervalued perhaps player, underrated by the Welsh uh, public, but highly rated by uh, Warren Gatland. You know, it took him to the World Cup for his leadership, um, uh, for his leadership, and you know running the line out, line up forward, and if you're going to play a game with a lot of um, um, tip on passing and all, you need Corey Hill in your game because such a skillful player. Um, 
and he's got vision and um you know he, he's a big presence it, say for example now if, if um if um if alan Wynne jones was unavailable Corey he'll be a prime contender to be captain uh captain wales to uh two test victories in argentina in uh 2018 and you know he's a he's a good rugby player so it is a boost for him to come back although we must stress that Wales have got an abundance of second row resources with uh, Alan Jones um, Jake Ball had a great World Cup Adam Beard and big Bradley Davis is looking in the background yeah. so uh, it's going to be you know which is what being perfect want uh, it's going to be tense competition for places yeah, uh, I can't understate how important he is with the Dragons as well because the, the, the Dragons have solved one problem this season in terms of having a flight half. Yeah, and in the process, what I've seen him solving another problem is solving a scrum problem yeah. by bringing in the ex France hooker as scrummaging consultant, and he is working absolute wonders yeah, with Leon exactly. Brown, who could go from not being able to scrummage to being uh, pushing for a start in the Six Nations. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a bit, but. Um Having having Corey Hill back in in the boiler room and Brandon Nance to be come back soon, it's um it's it's a massive boost, isn't it, for them? Because you know it it's, it it did feel like one step forward, two steps back, wasn't it? When you had Sam Davis only playing ten, but maybe not the platform all the time for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until you know he's been a uh, captain, and uh, when it, when the Dragons got the all their squad on here, all their squad available. They actually got a good squad and a lot of potential uh, there. Their back row uh, riches, lock there, all right. You know they got two top lockers, and uh, things seem to be happening there. But Hill, yeah, I think it's great for the Dragons and for Wales getting back on the pitch and playing. I don't feel, I don't think he'll start against Worcester on Friday. More likely to be on the bench, but you know he could. Uh, uh, he, he looks after himself and he can put himself forward now over the next few weeks um, to, uh, to feature for Wales against um, in the Six Nations yeah. Yeah. let's just hope he doesn't suffer any more because, because this problem was an ankle stress fracture problem it's been the same problem all along yeah, so it is a, it's thing, one of those it? niggly worrying things about it recurring he's got to be managed very carefully yeah indeed he will um, we learned the extent of one of his uh, regional teammates the uh, Ross Moriarty he's uh, been suffering with illness since the World Cup and so we learnt he had a graze on the forehead which apparently yeah, caused it graze on the forehead which got infected um, and yeah he, he's so lost he a, down his immune system lost, lost a stone in weight which is concerning mm. um, they're hoping he'll be back sort of around the Christmas derby times yeah which, he's not ready this week maybe ready next week uh, for their matches, I think it's with the Scarlets. Could be, yeah. Uh, is that right? December twenty first. Could be. Yeah, December twenty yeah. first. He may be ready for that, but they're not going to rush him because they don't want to set him back. So uh, I suppose the good thing at the minute with the Dragons is they don't really need. They're it. blessed yeah. with um, Wayne Wright, Ollie Griffiths. We don't know what. Obviously, we, we, as we record on this podcast, it's about twenty five minutes before Tane Basham's disciplinary hearing yeah. is meant to come out. So we don't know what's going to happen with him. Yeah. Possibly looking at a few weeks. Um, rightly or wrongly on that but um, yeah back row wise they obviously want him back because um, well he's for a start he's 10% of their budget yeah so <laughs> they want to get the minutes but um, they don't need to rush him back which is, an, which is a luxury in itself yeah but he, he you know he want to get back pretty soon to get some games under his belt before that Six Nations because as, you know he wasn't a World Cup starter was he yeah and they, um, until Navidi got injured 
And speaking so, of which, he's um, he's back from that injury. Soon, yeah. Looks like he's back now from an hamstring injury. Suffered the World Cup. He which should be back in the next couple of weeks. Massive, isn't it? Which is another plus. Yeah, but Wales have got loads of back road to choose on. Yeah, but Josh Navidi has cemented himself, I think, as a first choice back row. Uh, he had under Warren Gatland, along with oh, that's uh, true, yeah. I think he's got to prove himself, along with everyone else under Wayne Pivot. Keep, keep forgetting, they, keep forgetting is a different regime, isn't it? Yeah, so they may have different ideas and the sort of game they want to play. Because against the Barbarians, um, Wainwright was at. Was it eight that much? Well, Wainwright and Justin Tipperich spent both of them spent a lot of time on a wing in that match, waiting out. So, um, you know, that is not Josh Navidi's game, he's been out on a wing. So, and Wales went for as well in that game for the athleticism at six of um, Anishing Lose a massive uh, line out option. So, it's going to be interesting. Navidi, again, which is brilliant, Navidi's going to have to work hard to get back in our Wales team or to be in our Wales team. You know, the competition for places there is just. It's just fantastic, isn't it? You know, yeah. If you can get Falatel back as well in the mix, you know, Wales could, Wales could conceivably go into the Six Nations against Italy with a different back row to the first choice back row they had at the World Cup, or you know, depending on the thoughts of Pivot, that could happen. They got that many players to choose from. Yeah, definitely, definitely good. Um, let's talk about another position where there's a bit of competition for his place, uh, George North is uh, looking like he's, he's going to come back over Christmas I think he's aiming for the Boxing Day game yeah well he needs a big few weeks exactly um, yeah know, he's as he's, he says as he said himself in an interview he did in this past week that he uh, that he he felt he underperformed at the World Cup was getting better when he got um, when he got uh, injured uh, was that against South Africa I think yeah I mean he, I think Armstrong. he made I think he made the most metres in that game and he only mm. played 39 minutes yeah, well, one of the, a lot of metres made in that game generally, man, because both teams cancelled each other but, out in the wall of attrition. Yeah. So, but, you know, I think... Yeah, however, he's, uh, you know, he talked about uh, overtaking Shane Williams' record for the most Welsh tries, about getting, getting under caps, but he, new coach as well now in Pivac, uh, he is under intense pressure to um, to get it, you know, to, to stay, to, well, get in Pivac's team. Because um, Josh Adams got to be first choice winger. This form such a good all round rugby player. Johnny McNichol was eligible for Wales. Played against the Barbarians. Looked great. Is another guy who knows exactly what he's doing on the rugby pitch. So uh, I would say North is a bit behind the cue ball. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't. I mean, disagree with too much of that. You didn't done a piece on him in the last few days Ben what did you conclude um, I guess I concluded that a lot of what people say about him probably isn't true or is, isn't as you know when people sort of level at him that he doesn't go looking for work or that he's not defensively sound or he's not airily good compared to other wingers he's probably getting uh, not a fair st- shake of the stick so to speak he, he's probably getting judged more harshly which is something that our colleague Matt Southcombe has been protesting for months nigh on years about George North and he's probably right in that regard so, you know, I think he does go looking for work um, I think it's something like you know he, he, he'll average about 10 touches a test match um, which is you know is decent going you know I think the most he's ever average, uh, ever had in a test match is 19 on two occasions South Africa's debut Argentina 2012 
two very different games in terms of results. Um, but yeah, he definitely does go looking for work. I don't know if Wales have, have always known the best way to get the best out of him. Um, we've seen him, his sort of role change in the last few years. He's gone from looking for work in midfield to maybe looking for work around the fringes of rucks with pick and goes because I think that's where he can dictate the point of contact, so to speak. But um, yeah, he's going to have a tough time with uh, Johnny McNichol because, I mean, try scoring ratios, McNichol's ahead. And he's he's probably got better hands, which I think Pivak is going to want because I think Pivak will want your, your your wings to be stepping in at first receiver, and to to be ball players and to bring other people into the game, hmm. which maybe North. So you say, do. you saying then? Am I reading this right? Are you saying then that George, that McNichol and Adams are more natural rugby players when North is more manufactured? I wouldn't say manufactured. I think he's. I mean. Oh, he was he, he was always natural, he was always then? he was always, always physically big so he's you know he's probably just lent into those strengths a bit more um, I think that's why we probably we haven't seen him develop into a centre isn't it I think he's he's not a natural ball player so to speak so that's why he never moved to centre when a lot of people expect him to move to centre um, you know we've talked about you know Josh Adams we've seen potentially move to centre um, McNichol was a centre exactly McNichol can play full back centre mm. you know they they, they can mm. there's no there's no issue with moving them to sort of closer to the fray I don't think I don't think for a second Josh Adams will be involved at centre in the Six Nations I don't think they'll take the risk of moving him from his wing I think someone in the office the other day described it as fool's gold so to speak you know why would you, why would you take Josh Adams who's scoring three four tries in games away from where he's scoring those tries let's get George North in the team potentially yeah yeah yeah. Nickel on the other wing or Liam Williams well Liam Williams is injured so he's that's the thing it depends on Liam Williams' fitness for the Six Nations yeah, doesn't it unless he makes a miracle recovery he's going to miss at least half the Six Nations yeah um, it's where the Pivac trusts McNichol as, a, as an international fullback if not I can see George North missing out yeah. Um, Will's got a problem centre point potentially because what we don't know what's the state with Owen walking knee that's a very good point yeah we you are know, if he is we don't know if he uh, becomes a long term casualty you're down to one fit centre yeah then you uh, Scott Williams question mark over him perhaps um, with his own back problems uh, where do Wales go for centre so are they going to be forced to play someone else in the centre like Adams or like North What's Owen Williams' fitness like? Owen Williams of Gloucester? Yeah. Injured. Still injured. Been out for nine, ten months. Serious knee injury. Just not, he's just not Due getting back. back in the Six Nations. Well, he could be back for the new year. But he's got to get in the Gloucester first team. For exactly. Which is a tough task. Because uh, I don't think it's, you know, my... Um, spoke to Johan Ackerman, Gloucester coach, a few weeks ago. My impression was... Unless uh, Williams comes back, forces way now first team quickly, and is sensational, they will not be offering him a new contract. Which is understandable yeah. because he's, he'll he's a big re- earner. He'll want to return to Wales. Be, well, it's an opportunity for uh, a Welsh region to get him uh, to get him in because uh, his value across the board in England will have gone down. Indeed, indeed. Um, and he could actually end up getting a better monetary deal in Wales and in England. Potentially, yeah. Hmm. Um, 
who else is due back soon? So one who isn't due back soon is Alan Wynn Jones due back. Alan Wynn is, yeah. Um, he'll be back over Christmas, I believe, yeah. as well. Um, won the BBC Sports Wales Personality of the Year award last night. Um, yeah. He'll be hoping to make it a double like Gary Thomas last year on Sunday. And he, uh, I think he spoke last night about looking to to play for the Lions in 2021, which is no surprise to anyone, as that was always going to be the case for him. Yeah, that's why he's carried on playing, isn't it? You know, that's you know, that's the bottom line. His goal is to play for those Lions in 2021, and he would hope to be Lions captain. Of course, he's going to have to carry, keep on performing for the next couple of years, because as we know, Warren Gatlin doesn't do sentiment, and he certainly won't pick a Lions squad on sentiment. And was Salem win? He's 34, is he? Could be, so yeah. uh, you know. So uh, he's look, you know, he's Wales captain. He's going to be an important part I reckon, of the transition yeah. under uh, Pivak. But Pivak will as well. He will want someone to emerge, like Beard or, or Coriel or someone else to uh, you know push Alan Wynne Jones out to the team. I imagine with the Lions now, he'll still have unfinished business from two thousand and nine. Yeah, from obviously time. they lost the series, but also Simon Shaw kept him out of the test team at times. Well, what happened there was Alan Wynn started the first test. Yep. And then um and he was um he was dropped after that to the bench and Simon Shaw started ahead of him. Who funny enough was a veteran himself. Thirty seven at the time. Thirty seven, something like that. And in fairness to Simon Shaw he came in and he was brilliant in those tests. Yeah, so that was Alan Wynn's Al- first Alan will, tour. Alan Wynn will still remember that. Yeah, he will. I'll be driving him on, yeah. And and Alliance, you know, he will have unfinished business there because they um, lost they lost the series. It was one of the, uh, the best Lions series I've ever covered live. It was absolutely brilliant and brutal. Epic test matches. And you know what? They were robbed a bit in our second uh, second test by the um, by uh, by um, two two decisions. The uh, gouging, Schalberger on uh, Luke Fitzgerald yeah. should have been sent off. Should clear cut red card. Referee bottled it. Yellow card. Plus, Bucky's both uh, charging into Adam, uh, into a ruck. No arms. Uh, uh, Adam Jones dislocated shoulder, reduced the match to um, no contest, scrummaging. Contested, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the Lions were totally on top at that stage. They were scrummaging him off the park. Didn't see PSBs, but as soon as they went uncontested, all of a sudden PSBs in the game off the back of a, a scrum, created a try for Brian Obana. Lions, Adam, up front that day, you know, they would have won if. Had their props still on a pitch, they would have certainly won our match, and I think they would have gone on to win the uh, series. I mean, they won the third test easily, but okay, so I forget already won won the series, yeah. But, um, you know, it was great to see. So, Alan Wayne and and Gatlin was involved in that as forwards coach. You know, this is unfinished business with them. And once again, he's taking on a world champions because South Africa world champions back then. Indeed. Um... Let's hope he makes it, Alan Wayne. Let's get on to one player then who's ruled out for a bit. Um, that's Dylan Lewis. That's big news to me, Ben. I mean, this it is the biggest big news, news yeah. of the day to me. It is. People it's... might not think that outside you, but it is because of a prop shortage at tight dead. So, yeah, um, obviously he missed, he missed the game last weekend because it was revealed he picked up an injury in the Barbarians game. Um, Hamstring as well. Yeah. Mm. And then I think that the press conference yesterday, they were pretty uncommittal on a time frame I think they said mid-January but 
I don't know. I, I, I get the impression that that that's very much a guess. The, the more depends the, on the grade of it. Exactly. That, that's not a definitive time frame. So. I think it's fair to say he's facing a race against time to be fit for the Six Nations. Obviously, yeah. Thomas Francis is out. So suddenly, we are looking a bit short there. Yeah, suddenly you down to Samson Lee, Leon Brown, Arnon Jarvis is back playing. Actually, actually for the Dragons, but generally on the loose head. And a um, call up for Will Griff John. Will Griff John, potentially. They've been Sharks. looking at him. Yeah. Pivak's yeah. been around every Premiership club. Yeah. See, I'm only surprised if they bring in some of those guys anyway because I think you might pick an extended squad for the Six Nations and uh, so you can look at people yeah looking ahead so uh, yeah you may have to go for uh, for, for, for him uh, Dylan Lewis has been making made big progress at the World Cup and um, you know he's great in the loose uh, mobility scrummages improve the Wales working with him um, you know I so, hope so he actually makes the Six Nations because I think it'll be it's really be, you know be good for his development continuing development uh, but this is a worry. He's had injuries before, hamstrings and the like, and you know they can't take time to recover from. Exactly, it's not not a great injury, is it? For a no, front as row? we've seen with Navidi, you know, he's been you know he's been missing a long while, and, and this wasn't the most severe of hamstring injuries either. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. It's a massive blow for the Blues, isn't it as well? Because uh, they were just. Uh, I mean, Hazarati, you know, they looked really good. Hang on a minute, Ben, massive. Blow for the Blues. It is a blow for the Blues, but suddenly this season, the Blues, you just mentioned him, uh, Azarati, their young props look really good. They look the business. True. And uh, they start to scrimmage really well. So I think they can. Um I think they can uh, they can handle it the loss of Dylan Lewis. Obviously it does take a bit away from their depth, but their scrum has really impressed me this season. But the poor thing is they're because they've had such a mixed start to the season, they're chasing things a bit now when it comes mm. to December, January time. So when they've got Wales internationals available to them, they need as many of them available as possible. Like you saw the difference it made to them on uh, was it Friday or Saturday night? Saturday, Saturday night. night. Saturday night fever. Yeah, you saw you saw the difference it made when they had Josh Adams making his debut, mm. uh, Jared Evans with actual sort of options outside him, and Thomas Williams inside him. You know, it, it made such a, a, a big difference. Ollie Robinson back. Mm. You know. They absolutely dynamite. They were exactly. Well, it wasn't Poe's best team. Let's no, but, face facts. But, but they were brilliant that night. They would have troubled any team in yeah, uh, you know, in rugby. They were so good, and that's that's such a stark contrast from what we've seen so far from the Blues this year, mm. which is quite a ponderous attack, quite quite mm. lateral, and obviously missing big ball carriers up front. Uh, yeah, um, I thought Thomas Williams is massive, huge. His game he had, you know, gets things going so quickly, his services so it's not just so rapid, he's, so quickly he gets in or quickly gets the ball away. He's well on his way to a six nation starting spot, isn't he? I think he is, yeah. Yeah. The only shortcoming in his game is uh is defensively. That he can uh, he can miss uh tattles, but the uh, rest of his game is absolutely yeah. is fantastic. But if I, I name an alliance scrum half in South Africa now it would be Thomas Williams. I think he reads he reads the game well oh, defensively. So really defensively good. reads it well. Yeah, yeah. On an attack he reads it well. Yeah. Just reads the game and he's lightning, he's so sharp. Out the blocks and everything, his support play is excellent. You know, he's a really good player. He's a great athlete. Yeah, him and Jared seem to be sort of telepathic at the minute, don't they? Yeah. Obviously two two tries off chip kicks from Thomas to Jared yeah one was right foot one was left foot showed his uh, ability and they both read each other and perhaps most importantly of all playing with a smile on their faces they're enjoying it which is a key 
Absolutely. Um, I guess we're, we're talking about the Cardiff Blues now. You got anything else to mention from that game? Um, it's comprehensive winning. They needed to win that match, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. They took. It was like watching a Super Rugby game. You know, a good Super Rugby game because the quality of their rugby on a plastic pitch was fantastic. You know, so it was only a, a disappointing crowd, four thousand odd there. But if they carry on playing like that uh, and uh, winning, it'll pick up. It will pick. It will pick a lot of people up because, uh, you know, that's the sort of rugby. Personally, myself, that's the sort of rugby I would pay to watch. Uh, you know, I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't be too keen on paying to watch the ponderous stuff. Um, you know, maybe because we're spotting his job and we see so much rugby anyway, so sometimes we get a bit stale. But um, but the Blues, you know, that was uh, that was just so encouraging, and that's why I think what fans want to see the crowd. They loved it. It was great stuff. Great entertainment. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, they're looking yeah, and then it, decently placed, aren't they now? In, yeah. in Europe after that win. Yeah, they need to back it up out in Poe this weekend, Massively which of course so. will be a different game because Poe probably going to make changes. And I think uh, you know Paul Tito was a member of their coaching team, ex Blues captain, and he was smart in at that defeat afterwards. And I don't think he want to uh, suffer a double defeat to the no. to the Blues. But I think the Blues are capable of going over there and winning. Must also mention young uh, Ben Thomas. I think he'd recently really turned 20, 21. You know, playing him inside centre. Uh, John Melville, that coach, thinks he's an outside African player inside uh, centre. But, you know, he's another natural rugby player, does the right things at the right time. And uh, a player with, uh, I think, with massive potential. Um, uh, football in 12. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I love the way he looped around for that try off Will Boyd. Just look, just he just looked to the man of born at, at mm. the regional level, didn't he? Um, I saw a bit of a debate on Twitter involving Lee Jarvis. Um, about whether you know, had you thrown Ben Thomas into this game two years ago, he wouldn't have been ready. But he's played mm. two years of Premiership rugby. Mm. I um, agree with I get, I, get, I get the point. What I would argue is, two years ago he'd been about fifteen, wouldn't he? He's he's, he's twenty one. Oh, is he that? Yeah. Okay, he's that. Old, I was going to say he's nineteen. Man. Uh, he's, yeah. Well, two years ago he'd be in school. Um, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but um, you know, it's a fair point. Um, everyone's got strong opinions on it. Um, I wouldn't definitively say one way or the other, but I think for Ben, playing for Cardiff RC has clearly helped him. Yeah, for sure, I would say. The problem is, you know, people can say, oh, the Premiership doesn't do a lot and all that, but if it gives boys uh, uh, regular, or can give lads regular rugby if they release by their regions, part of the problem with the youngsters is do they play enough? Do they stop from playing? And you know what? Not many of them really make it. And then you what you get as well as an eye dropout rate. Some of them don't make any drop out out of academies, and they drop out of the sport altogether. Um, so that's concerned. You know, I, I I myself old school think the best places to, to learn is actually in matches. You can train as much as you want in any sport, but at the end of the day, it's, it's on the in the field of combat which counts. Yep. Okay. Let's um, move on to another region. Um, and a review for their European uh, weekend. Um, Dragons were at six ways. Very close. Very close. Four, 14 men for most of the match after Basham got sent off the tip tap. I mean, controversial tip tattle. Should he be sent off or not? It was doing well. That was one of their better performances. Um, and I think that shows the progress they made this season. Because early in, in the campaign, in Munster, first match of the season, they were excellent for 15 minutes, doing all the pushing, all that. One try from Munster, completely knocked stuffing out of them. Fell apart. Connaught at home. A couple of weeks later, same thing again. They were dire. 
stuffing knocked out of them. You know, no confidence, whatever. But they have notched up some uh, some victories, and um, confidence is improving. They had that blip against when they built muscle by Zebra. It was a very weak Dragons team, mind, but they built muscle by Zebra yep. a couple of weeks ago in Newport. Okay, they had a lot of their artillery back at Worcester, but they refused to roll over, and they played some uh, good rugby, and they were unlucky to lose that match. Uh, with 40 men when I went down to 40 men my immediate reaction was oh it's the same thing going to happen as in Munster they're going to crumble now yeah. they're going to fall this could be an hammering but no they ended up with a, well, it's a crucial losing bonus point because it puts them top of the group and if they beat uh, Worcester in return and it's going to be uh, it could be sparks in that because there's a bit of niggle between the clubs and the players and uh, it could be a classic Anglo-Welsh um, battle this one uh, a bruising uh game and uh, Dragons uh, if they win it though they in command of the group going forward because the cast don't seem to be too interested in it so there's every part of win you was put them well on the road to going through the quarterfinals as as a Blues winning forward yeah absolutely I mean the Welsh Rangers are looking mm-hmm. decently placed in the Challenge Cup um, what did you make of Tame Basham sending off I've, I've seen a video of it very Briefly, hmm. that's the only um, video was available. Yeah, uh, my reaction at the time was yellow card. Um, From what I could see, did he go beyond the horizontal? He did a bit. Basham slipped as well, making the towel. He hasn't. Did chase out. How did, did he, he land? Was, to me, it looked like he landed. He didn't land on shoulder or neck. I didn't. Or think head. So, but that's what the ref thought. Right, and and this is another debate for me because the only on a stream, the only thing that was picked up was the referee's comments. There was no commentary. Yeah. Referee's comments. He went to his. He spoke to his assistant, and he said, uh, "Landed on head and shoulder, red card." And his assistant just agreed with him. But that the the, the footage didn't suggest that. So, what the bigger debate for me? No TMO at that game. No TMO at the Dragons cast game. And the JP Doyle, English guy, was uh, English uh, on RFU ref was in charge of that game. And there was so much going on off yeah. the ball in our match. Niggle. It was like an old school match when there used to be plenty of things going on. But it seems to me that referees, particularly the younger ones, as Dean Ryan, the Dragons director of rugby, pointed out, not your older refs like Nigel Owens and and uh, Wayne Barnes, who were refereeing before the TMO's powers were extended, etc., or came in and extended. You know, they're comfortable refereeing without the TMO. But the younger refs, uh, we've been so reliant on TMOs when they've got the pro level that they conditioned to that so they find it difficult to take decisions themselves. Um, you know, so Mid- uh, uh, Marius Mitra was a bit lost without the TMO. Same as JP Dahl was lost at the Ronnie Parade. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he jumped, I don't say he jumped to the red card, but I think he saw it wrong. Uh, okay, he's still had the courage, I suppose, to send him off. I think he got that decision wrong. Would be uh, possibly could be a yellow card, but let's see uh, what punishment. Yeah, or if he gets any punishment, bash him, uh, because that may validate what the uh, referee decided or not. Yeah, I but, mean, it should uh, it should be coming out any minute. To be yeah, honest. is there an argument? They should train these refs. Without you know, they, you know they 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 identify a ref, don't they? With potential these days, certainly in Wales, could be a young ref. And they fast track them, so they fast track them to matches, which very often have got TMO. Is a case they should be doing plenty of matches with this, possibly lower level, with there's not a TMO. 
so they can uh, you know take a decision how many times you see a um, team's got a fierce rolling ball going across the opposition try line 90% of the time they would have definitely scored you know they just scored a try but yet the ref goes to the TMO surely they can't just take these you know decide on that yeah that's true yeah you yeah. Know, so people it, like Barnes and Nige they tend to just ward a try because they got the confidence and their ability interesting point mm. so you know, something maybe for powers to be to think about yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you have a TMO for all those matches in you've been Challenge Cup? Ideally, but um, mm. finance is always the uh, yeah, always the thing, isn't it? Um, elsewhere in the in the Challenge Cup, Scarlet's got back to winning ways with a thought a mightily impressive win away in France. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty match, but there was a good win. Uh, oh, the halfpenny, you know, proved his worth. And we, yeah, that's another thing, you know, people have been saying, oh, Liam Williams now Scarlet's set to, to sign him. Uh, half penny's contract up. It almost to me, you know, it almost seemed to me as people were saying, well, half penny's going to be released and to make way for Liam Williams. No way. Come on, you could, you want to, you want both of them there yep. if you can afford it because half penny, his boot is so good. He won him that match with his kicking. Definitely. You know, yeah, and he, he is did. a good player. He played quite well for Wales against Barbarians. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, why wouldn't you want the Halfpenny and Liam Williams at the same uh, place? Because, uh, you know, one of them could play on a wing. Liam, in fact, when last when Liam was last at the Scarlets, he spent most of his time on, on the wing, wing uh, and Johnny McNichol was full back. So, um, you know, so uh, that was a good win, and I set him up now. They got the return this week, beat Bayonne in, uh, in Lanethi on Saturday night, and uh, it's all on to go through. Um, you know, we're looking at the situation here, Ben. Seriously looking at the situation with all three Welsh teams in the European Challenge Cup could end up in the quarterfinals. Like, yeah. Well, I was expecting them to end up in the quarterfinals, what we've seen yeah. so far. And wouldn't that be a great fill? It'd be brilliant. And that's, for Welsh rugby. I mean, the Scarlet should be looking a challenge. I was really impressed with them on Saturday night. I did the game. Um, and it never really felt like they were going to lose that one. They always felt in control. They didn't. They didn't play much of the Scarlet's rugby we saw. I mean, when it was on, they looked for it. Um, and they, I thought they worked it well at times, but they just looked in control and they just they kept the control of that match. Um, Dan Jones at fly half. Um, Uzai Cassiem in the back row has been immense this season. Mm, he's loving it, is he? I mean, you know, you're looking at him last year and people probably thought he was a bit of a wasted signing along with Clayton Bloom and Cheese. He's, he's really sort of come, you know, and coming to his own now. Um, it's a lot. It's funny. It's a lot of sort of Wayne Pivak signings who maybe struggled last year in Pivak's final year with injuries, like Blade Thompson. That now they're starting to get minutes and and they're looking good for it. So yeah, that, yeah, shows that, that again shows that Pivak is good, but you know the good signings he makes in his eye for a player. Yeah, exactly. I think that's you know people probably got a bit worried about Pivak's last yeah. year at the Scarlets, but uh, they had that many injuries. You've it just, just had to write I it think off. I think he he tried to to change the game plan. In, in his last year with injuries which is never, was never going to work well, not but only that but he, don't forget he lost two key players who moved on that's Tag, what I mean yeah. Tagburn and John Barkley I mean he had to ch- he, yes, had, he, had, to, to he had to change the game yeah. plan to compensate for them and mm. then he had injuries which sort of well, he got scuppered didn't he exactly injuries. But in fairness same as the Ospreys this season he'd be totally scuppered by injuries any chances they had yeah tough tough weekend for them wasn't it Oh yeah, you know, I mean, Dan Evans sent off after how many seconds? Thirty-seven seconds. You know, should that have been a sending off? Um, was he balancing? Why was his foot raised? I'll say yes. It should be a. Send-off. I think it is. It is look, it is a sending off. So you saying he knew what he was doing? Um, is that what you're saying? Why didn't Teddy Thomas pull out then? I don't know. Why did he run? You know, I think the wording from the referee was 
reckless, not deliberate, mm. which would suggest that he didn't know what he was doing. Mm. But I don't, I don't know. You just, I just think you can't, you can't lead with your, you can't jump up with your leg out straight for me. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. Well, people, I know. Ju- people say jump up and you raise your knee like a goalkeeper in football or a fullback or a winger in rugby. Or say Dan Bigger when he's a master catching the ball in here, he'll jump. His knees could be yeah. raised. If someone, so what happens then is someone collides with Dan Bigger's knees. And say so he gets knocked, stunned, knocked well, out or something. So for, for me, for me, be sent off for me, then? there. If you're raising your knees, reckless, raise if, you're, your if you're raising your knees, you're bringing you're bringing your legs closer into your body. So if someone's getting close enough to get their head on your knee, then they're pre- they're pretty much in a position to be tackling you in the air, which means that then they they don't have responsibility for where their their what, body should be. What about if you're on the way down? Potentially, it's it's a tough it's, it's a, a tough it's, it's a, a tough thing to referee, but I think it was a red card. Like Dean Ryan said about the Basham incident, and maybe they can use this generally in rugby. It's you know, rugby's not played in slow mo; it's played in real time. Yeah. So I, and you do have rugby incidents. You know, it's inevitable in the collision sport. You're bound to have some incidents, uh, and it could, you know it can be look really bad, but you know they're accidental. They're just rugby. Th- things just what happens in that sort of sport isn't it you know so um yeah you know was dan evans and like anyway the any is- chance the ospreys had disappeared when he went off uh really well yeah i mean they started fairly well after mm. that they, they they went and scored a try and then they guess- more more in discipline mm. they conceded they, they conceded they three- 12 players at one time yeah they conceded three penalties mm. in the first half and each one led to a card which just and where were those penalties conceded what part of the pitch obviously Dan Evans was just inside his own half um, I didn't see the Scott Williams one where that mm. was he killed the ball somewhere so it's a yellow card mm. Alid Davis was the most obvious deliberate knock on you'll ever see because Racing just broke down the middle two on one they drew Alid Davis to give the pass and he's just slapped it up um so yeah, he went off as well there. Sometimes in those instances, you better off letting the opposition score in, but try and shepherd them to the corner to make the conversion more yeah. difficult. I mean, at that point, I think it was twenty-one. Yeah. Why, seven, I ask, so. why I ask? Why I ask? What position on the pitch with those penalties occur? Was because against Saracens, away they gives daft penalties away, like just inside the Saracens half, which meant Saracens could kick the Ospreys twenty-two, and you put it under real pressure. Then yeah. they were called and Gatlin. Himself, Captain used to call needless penalties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, why give penalty away there? Just let the opposition have the ball. Yeah. And trust your defence to stop them. They're off awesome to kick. And if they do kick, then you're going to have to throw into the lineup anyway if the ball goes out of play. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Hmm. Yeah. So it's nothing more frustrating for a rugby coach than your team give away daft penalties around the halfway mark. Yeah. I think we'll we'll end on a on a positive note. I think there were some positive signs with the Ospreys from what I saw. I thought Marty, Marty McKenzie looked good. Um, I think there was a bit more shape in what they were doing. Um, do you see Mike Reddick have anything to do with this? I, I don't know to be honest. Um, I think it's too early to say. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm. Well, they got, then, they're going then, to Racing this weekend. Yeah, but so. then again, it's, it's you know the the Welsh derbies. They're never going to be far away from winning them. Rega- it's a derby, isn't it? Exactly. Because you lift you know, yourself and it's a, and you cancel each other out and you sort of like uh, in the last in the last days of Steve Tandy's sort of reign, I they'd have still probably won derbies, wouldn't they? You know, they're, they're yeah. always you're always going to hey, be in, well, in with a chance. Last season, I think they beat the Blues, didn't they? Judgment Day. Yes, I think, and then they beat the Scarlets in the playoff of the person in Champions Cup. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're always you know, going to be there after right? having a difficult season. 
So, uh, yeah, and of course, if you like the North and Alan winning it, uh, are back um, for the derbies, that's going to give them a boost, isn't it? Not just uh, physically, but mentally. So, uh, yeah, those derbies, they'll be... Uh, you know they'll be competitive. They've got so they got Racing away this weekend. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'll be a bonus point win for Racing. They'll do a job on the Ospreys. Bonus point definitely. And then it depends how if Racing carry on going to town on them or ease up. Last weekend, interestingly, they had a bonus point in the first half, but they carried on for a bit, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So they might you know, but it's great experience for the Ospreys youngsters because they're playing in that new indoor stadium in Paris. You know, Racing. So, so that would be great experience for them. Then they've got um, they've got their Derby's Cardiff Blues at home. Is that right? At home and Scarlets away. I, I think believe. so. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, you know. So the Blues, you know, they've done a job so often on the Blues in the past. That game is a, you know, that's a fifty-fifty game, perhaps. Yep. Even though we talked uh, uh, about how good the Blues backs were um, uh, early in this podcast, and if Blues get plenty of ball, you know, they could do some damage against the Ospreys. Uh, but I wouldn't write the Ospreys off in that game. And then Scarlet's Big West Wales Derby may not, you know, Scarlet's be favourites for that. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, I'd expect them to win. Seen the but I still wouldn't discount the Ospreys uh, probably. And then uh, January the fourth, they go to the Dragons. Mike Reddick, if he takes the job, will probably be in charge then. That would be uh, would be his uh, first formal game as coach if he decides to take it on. And uh, they'd be playing Dragons away, which is where they lost there last year. That'd be a tough match as well to start off a uh, new year, but one they would probably believe they can win. Absolutely. So, all to look forward to in the next few weeks. Um, Podcast wise, we'll be back Sunday when we've got something a little special planned. I think we'll be counting down the top 50 players in the world in 2019. Um, and then next Monday, we'll be back with another podcast. Our colleague Matt Southcombe has got a book coming out, and we'll be doing a little podcast with him on that his time in Japan which I think you can probably buy for Christmas I hope you're having a cut of the, uh, the proceeds for that Ben for no, promoting his book for him absolutely sure I'm not um, so yeah, there yeah you go. I doubt if you are though because yes. you know how tight he is <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I'm not commenting on that yeah. there you go there's a, there's a Christmas present for you Andy you can, uh, you can buy his book um, in fact we better go let you uh, get on with your Christmas shopping so I imagine you haven't done any of it have you no not yet there we go so um, that's it for today's podcast you can catch all the latest news on Wales Online